You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, welcome back. Here's part two of our episode on rough and tumble play with Mike. Hope you enjoy it. We, we've got a lot of parents that, that listen to the program, and most of them are at least 85% on board with the kind of uh, renegade approaches that we, we talk about in the podcast. How would you suggest they talk to parents who might be a little bit more standoffish about rough-and-tumble play um, when, they're, when they're sitting at the coffee shop or, or, uh, right. or waiting in, in, in line after school for the kids or something? How do, yeah, how do in we... some ways, I think it's probably true of almost every, all the renegade rules, but that rough and tumble play builds a sense of confidence, courage, and trust. You know, and, and those are things I think we want in kids. Yeah. So uh, that'd be, I guess, my starting point. I mean, you could also talk about it in terms of physical development. Um, you know, because that's the thing, if you talk to occupational therapists, they see a lot of kids nowadays because kids don't get physical sensations. And, um, you know, all the occupational therapists I talked to are, like, excited that I wrote a book about rough-and-tumble play. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, it's something that helps kids develop physically in ways that our society has kind of gotten away from. You know, an infant's often in a, some sort of container uh-huh. all the time. They're not just rolling around on their tummy or crawling. They're, you know, in a car seat with a handle and walking, you know, the parents carry them around or things like that and, and or screen time for older kids. And it's like, no, you know, get them moving around, which is going to mean jumping, which is going to mean tackling for a lot of kids. But it's going to help them in the long run develop physically. So I guess you could either say it's about building confidence and trust or it's about um, physical, proper physical development. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just, just having parents being able to tell the other parents, you know, um, here's here's why we think this is benefit, and that outweighs a bump or a bruise or a scratch or a scrape once in a while. Right, and the truth is, like in terms of safety, you know, when you I uh, you know delved into the research, I'm sure you have other like, you know, kids, they will get scratches and scrapes, but they aren't going to really hurt themselves much more than any other thing, you know. Um, the biggest danger is kids riding in cars, and that's something that pretty much most grown-ups are okay with, and that's the most dangerous thing a kid can do. Yeah, we've, we worry about right. rough and tumble play, but then we've got no problem texting while we're driving down right. the, uh, the freeway uh, <laughs> sipping yeah. a cappuccino. Right, right. You know, and it, so, it's, um, so that sense, and we, and we lose that sense because yeah. it's perceived risk. It's not actual risk. Well, that's another one thing I want to ask right. you about, Mike. Um, in, in programs, and, and, and I do in my presentations, I, I get into rough and tumble uh, a fair amount. And one, one thing I hear from, pro, from, from some programs is, well, we, we can't do rough and tumble. Right. Uh, and it's, they, well, parents don't want it. Uh, we'll get sued, that kind right. of stuff. And had, what, what's your experience with programs getting sued uh, in relation to rough and tumble play. Yeah. 
first of all, I don't know of any program that's been sued for it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then one thing I do know, too, is that having a risk-benefit analysis um, Mm -hmm. can help. You know, so having on file the risk, we roughhouse the benefits, and you can list the benefits I've talked about, um, or you can, you know, look it up in someone's book. Uh, And then... The, you know, the way you minimize risk is you help kids learn how to read signals. You teach them how to say stop, um, you know, things like that. And then if somebody does get hurt and you let the, pro- the parents know too, right, parent handbook or whatever, say, oh, yeah, we do allow this. But I've found in terms of injuries, you know, I've had a ki- the first kid I sent to an emergency room um, was washing his hands. And, again, kids are developing their vestibular sense right now and their proprioceptive sense. He turned around real quick and fell and hit the back of his head on the sink. Um, and I, we couldn't get the bleeding. Maybe we should ban. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should hand washing. Hand washing. Yeah, and so I, you know, so I always, I still allow hand washing. Um, the other kid was just at a playground, so these are one of those sanctioned, you know, big body play things. Uh-huh. And he fell and just hit this rounded bolt that wasn't supposed to be dangerous, just right, and you know, cut his head open. And so the two emergency room visits were both from things that people are usually okay with. The rough and tumble, I've never had anything besides maybe someone's fingernail scratching someone else or, you know, a a small bruise, but not much. I mean, I think the block air, cleaning up blocks is much more dangerous, (laughs) like in terms of the number of accidents (laughs) I've had in the past, than, and like I said, hand washing and things like that. And I'll say the kid who fell in the playground He's now 20 and works at our center and is getting his um, associate's degree in early childhood. Oh, that's awesome. So, you oh, know, I get a good time. those are the kids that, yeah. I don't know, they... Well, and, and the argument could be made that the rough and the skills, the physical skills that they are mastering in the rough and tumble play is actually keeping them more safe from things out in the world because they're more aware of where their body is in space. And they're right. And, right. And, and so actually, we need we need to make that argument as well. Yeah. And um, we have to do accident reports for licensing. Mm-hmm. And so if a child does something like, you know, one of those like walks into the doorway which, which does happen with four-year-olds and three-year-olds, as we all know. Yeah. For the correction, you know, it says, like, corrective action, I will say, you know, encourage rough-and-tumble play to develop proprioception. So, like, that's the preventative measure I'm taking yeah. is to have them do it. Excellent. Right, it's, that's the prescription. A doctor <laughs> says that's about <laughs> rough-and-tumble. Right, you know, so... so my, I was just going to say, I want to give some time for you to explain some of the bits in your book. You know, yeah. obviously it's celebrating rough and tumble play, but what if someone buys your book, what will they get out of it to help their family or their program? Right. So I will say that I was aiming at um, teachers um, because uh, the first section of my book is about rough and tumble play and why it's worth embracing. Um and I, I talk about sort of boy culture. So one way to think about it, you know, when you say women have a harder time with it, if you think about how you interact with someone from a different culture, you don't have to understand, you know, why they stand closer than you are comfortable with. You just have to know, oh, yeah, in their culture, they stand closer to me. So with boys, oh, they like to roughhouse, even though I don't understand it. So, you know, so that's one thing my book does. And then I do talk about the body and mind connection, um, kind of how motor development basically works um, and, and how self-awareness and self-regulation help and nonverbal communication. But then I get into 
uh, taking risk and the importance of risk. And then it goes through kind of the teacher time. So um, what to do in a classroom. So if you have, I have like the art area, block area, book area, and talk about ways to include the whole body. Not necessarily always rough and tumble, but the uh-huh. idea that, you know, when kids sit and listen to a book, they shouldn't be sitting completely still. No grown-up does it, and it's not healthy to do that. <laughs> that kid should be able to fidget around. They, they can stand while they're listening to a book. They can stand while they're eating. You know, it's not about your position. It's about, you know, obviously hanging upside down while you're chewing might not be safe. <laughs> but, you know, there's plenty you can do. And then um, I also talk about kind of times of the day in a typical child care routine. Um, I still think there's a lot in there for parents to do. And then the main thing is I really wanted a lot of photographs. So there's like 200 color photos of kids moving around. Oh, I'm hoping that more than anything, I wanted just something where kids, people, parents will flip around or teachers will flip around and say, I want a kid to smile like that. Yeah. You know, maybe I should allow that. <laughs> So, right, to, to share the joy, because you can't really joy. plop them all down in your classroom. But right. to say, oh, look at that, that joy just shining through, and, and the trust. You can sort of see by body language the trust that's developed between the children. Right. And then and uh, next week I'm shooting a video of me roughhousing with kids so that there will be a YouTube link for people who really – because, you know, if you haven't done it, it, it can be a little intimidating. But how to – approach the child. And I, uh-huh. I do step-by-step things for all the times that when teachers, the questions teachers always have for me, you know, how do you get kids involved? Like with woodworking, I talk about what types of nails to get, what t- you know, I go real into real specifics because those are the stumbling blocks. And with rough and tumble, you know, get down on your knees, push the child very gently, let them push back on you, then push as hard as they did, you know, like that idea of uh-huh. the conversation. But I try to give step-by-step guides for the things that Usually adults kind of bring back to me, like, well, how would you do this? Or I can't do it. Um, Isn't that interesting, though, because what you just said is you push back based on how hard they do and follow their lead, and it's a conversation. So many of us, that's just natural instinct. But we, we as, a, as a culture have gotten out of touch with that. And so what the tips you're giving are so useful, um, but it's amazing that we need them. Right, yeah, yeah. I know there's there's a few things I think that parents of you know my parents' generation kind of shake their heads at like you don't know how to do that, <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah um, you know you don't know how to make a diaper out of a you know a towel when you run out like <laughs> that's just what we did you know but you know but it, at the same time you know everyone knows from their own experience so um. You know, and I think we're at the pendulum swing where we've gotten so out of touch with it that people are realizing we need more. And frankly, kids are getting hurt more. There's more emergency room visits for kids on playgrounds now that they've made them safer because they're just boring and you don't do anything, you know. So kids have to climb on top of the roof that's supposed to keep them safe because there's nothing else to do. Uh, But kids, you know, they don't even have statistics for kids falling out of trees. Yeah. Um, kids, I mean, kids there's, there's not a box to ticket for that in the emergency room, apparently. Right. Well, and it's because it just doesn't happen that often. Uh-huh. Um, like it's just not as dangerous, <laughs> you know. And I don't know when you look at things statistically, it's like you know, it's climbing trees really isn't um, a dangerous. Th- I mean, there's a risk involved. Yeah. I don't mean to say there's no danger, but you know, 
walking down the sidewalk can be a risk. Yeah. Um, hey, so, so, something that just yeah. popped into my head, Mike. Um, uh, we did an episode not too long ago about bullying, and I'm wondering, uh, I hear every once in a while, well, rough and tumble, that's just for, for the bullies, or that leads to bullying. And and my feeling is it's it seems to me from experience to be kind of the opposite. Yeah. And, and in fact, a lot of the skills that kids are picking up in rough and tumble play um, kind of inoculates them from bullying a little bit when, when they right. get older. What's your experience with that? Well, I'd say from my own experience that's true, too, but also the work of Anthony Pellegrini, who worked with older kids, but still found that it's the kid who gets shunned because they don't read verbal cues, nonverbal cues uh-huh. from others, are the ones who become bullies. And then the work of Stuart Hall, which is kind of a roundabout way, but basically saying for him, his work was interviewing serial killers. <laughs> We're going to the other extreme. But the thing is that he found that the one thing that all serial killers had in common was they didn't play interactively with others. And he really specifically pulls out rough and tumble as one of the most important ones because you gain empathy. The time you do get hurt a little bit, you realize, oh, when I elbowed Joe, that's what he felt because I just got elbowed in my face now, and now I know what it feels like. And the kids who don't interact are at the most risk. And, you know, rough and tumble can be a lot of things. It's not just the real rough roughhousing, but it could be playing chase, too. But it's that idea of picking up on other people's signals. Because, you know, the one thing with chase, when kids don't want to play, what they usually do is they try to run away. Uh-huh. But that's also the universal sign to everyone else that you're playing, <laughs> yeah, and you're, they'll chase you. You're prey. <laughs> so you get the three-year-old who's crying, no, no, but they're running, and, you know, you have to tell them, stop, and tell them you're not playing. And they, as soon as they do, everyone just turns around and goes the other way. But... You know, it's the universal signal that you are playing, so they have to learn those things. But the kids who don't learn those are at the most risk for becoming bullies or becoming... Um, and, and, you know, there isn't a, there's no study that proves if it's causal or... Um, but sociopaths, you know, tend to not be able to do it. So just, just for our listeners, to be safe, what you're saying, Mike, is if they don't want their kids to be so- serial killers, they need to encourage <laughs> rough and tumble and big body play? I know. Whenever I bring up Stuart Hall, I have to say, like, not necessarily, but yeah. But no, I'd no. Yeah. I mean, I, I I get that connection, and and yeah. I mean, I I, I, I really, it'd be great if there's a lot more research done in this area because then maybe we could start start uh, sifting through what's causal and what's uh, uh, what's not, and and those kind of things. But there there are connections there for sure. Right, and you know, another big thing. Uh, one of my favorite research things was uh, Michelle Tanik did some research about people's attitudes. And what she found was, in the group she did, you know, that a vast majority of the parents allowed rough-and-tumble play in their house. Usually it was the dad doing it with the kids. But they didn't think the teacher would approve, so they never would tell the teacher. Um, the teachers would, wouldn't allow it in the classroom because they were sure that parents wouldn't be okay with it. And then the kids knew that they weren't supposed to let the teachers know <laughs> that they did it. Uh-huh. And it's just this thing of like, yeah, well, it's taboo. yeah, it's this taboo thing. And yet, um, you know, most people do allow it in some way in their own, you know, house. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand the idea of like, oh, it's not your, you know, if, you know, my own child gets hurt in my house, That's you know, I don't me. have to like figure out who to blame. But if I, um, if it's at school, then, you know, we have this sort of, 
mindset that, well, then somebody else is to blame for it. And, you know, like in, in England, they have their um, guidelines for uh, playgrounds, and one of the things they say is just because there's an injury doesn't mean there's something wrong. And in, our, in America right now, we have this attitude, if someone gets hurt, something must be wrong. Right. Right. You know, and so. not even to recognize the value of learning about, you know, small hurts like that. Right. So, well, Mike, I think you have so much to share with people. Can you let listeners know more um, how to find you in your book and if they're interested in having you come speak or lead a workshop, yeah. they can go about that? Sure. So you can reach me at embracingroughandtumbleplay.com. So it's all one word, embracingroughandtumbleplay.com. And uh, me and a few other people just started a podcast called Teaching with the Body and Mind, which we've recorded some episodes, but I'm in the process of figuring out where to put it on the Internet to get it to people. So, uh, Mike? <laughs> well, e- Jeff, e- I was thinking I have e- to talk e- to you. Email me about that, because um, if, if you're looking, I'd love to distribute and help produce and stuff. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, so, um, well, it's funny, because we just recorded three days ago. I said, you know what, I'm going to wait. Talk to Jeff, and then I'll figure out where we're going to find it. But if people go to embracingroughandtumbleplay.com, um, you know, whatever developments happen will happen what? there. And then um, I also have a Facebook page, Mike Huber's Children's Books, because I was originally okay. a children's book author. So, um, oh, great. So there, and I usually try to, you know, interconnect the two, so anything I post. So um, while it also goes on the Facebook page for anybody that needs to buy the book as soon as they stop listening or while they're listening to this wrap up the show, uh, where do you want us to send them to buy the book? Yeah, it's um, uh, redleafpress.org. Okay. And I forgot to mention there is a parent like companion booklet, just a twelve-page booklet. So they come in packs of twenty-five for twenty-five dollars. But so if you are a provider, or if you are a parent with some friends who'd want these books too you know you can get that and it's just a real quick bullet points of why it's important and you know so mm-hmm. yeah which is great because a lot of people only have time for the bullet points but that may be all they need to, yeah. to start getting some kind of play in their lives so. yeah and if they're a teacher who's well, reluctant then they can you know hand those to the parents when you start allowing it so perfect well, Excellent. Well, okay. thank you so much for being on the show, and you are a fellow renegade, and it's, it's great to, that you're spreading the word so that more and more people are getting back to their, their natural human roots, especially with the kids. Yeah, and thank, and thank both of you, because uh, your work, uh, you know, your books and things have also made it. <laughs> I always know if someone has, uh, knows who Jeff Johnson is, then it's like, okay, we're halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do much convincing, but, you know. And then, um, and Heather, like, all I have to do is tell people the book titles, and then I know either they get it or they don't, because they're either like, what? <laughs> Climbing up a slide. But they, but they still want to read it. Even if they don't get it, they want to read it, just so they can have right. something to be angry exactly. about. And, and, well, and, then, yeah. and then Heather's so good at it, she, she, she takes those people and turns them into converts. Right. Well, it's nice, because, Heather, you just have a way of making it so simple, like, just making it a rule. I, I I'm, tend to be long-winded, and it's like, how do I boil it down then I look at your book and it's like, oh, right, that's the way you do it. <laughs> so it's really all right, well, we're all, that. So thank we're you. We're all much. on the course together. Yeah, we're yeah well, great to have you. Thanks so much. This Bye-bye. Is, this has been Bye. Renegade Rules. Thanks for listening. Back soon with another episode. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. If you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.